Alléluia. Alléluia. We thank God for the opportunity to begin our special program. Um, there are many things that the Lord wants us to understand. Hallelujah. There are many things that the Lord wants us to catch. It is not just that you may be flooded with a lot of information, even though information is useful. The Lord wants to bring us to a certain place. He wants to do something in us. And I pray that you will not just be here for being sick, but you will seek to participate in what the Lord has to offer. That you will reach out to the Lord so that you may gain the full benefit of this special program. Hallelujah. We are considering spiritual doors and pathways in general. So everything that we will look at in this period will be within the framework of spiritual doors and pathways. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Spiritual doors and pathways. In God's universe, there are laws. There are spiritual laws and there are material laws. So these laws govern God's universe. They are the laws of order. It means that God's universe works in a certain way. So the, in the material universe, things work in a certain way and there are laws that govern things so that they may work in the way that they work. There are also spiritual laws that govern spiritual things so that spiritual things may work in a certain way. Hallelujah. So laws determine how things work. And if you break the laws, you will not get what it is that you are looking for. So in the material world, for instance, if you want to get bread, you need to bake it. Now, there are laws that you must follow in order to have a well-baked bread. Hallelujah. There are laws to follow. If you break those laws, you will not have what it is that you are looking for. Hallelujah. There are laws that protect us, even in the material, for material protection. If you break those laws, you will not have what it is that you are looking for. There are laws in the spirit as well. 
laws that deliver to us what we are looking for. If you break those laws, you will not have what you are looking for. There are laws that determine how things ought to be done. If you break those laws, you will not be able to achieve what it is that you are trying to achieve. Hallelujah. Today, I want to talk to us about one of the laws in God's universe. And that is the law of access. The law of access. Now we are talking about access because doors give access. So when we want to talk about doors, it is that which gives access. Hallelujah. Is that here? So a door is that which gives access. A door is that which gives access access. That's a door. So when the door is opened, then you have access to whatever it is that is beyond that door. When the door is closed, then it means that you have been denied access to that which is beyond the door. Hallelujah. So we want to consider the law of access. And we are considering it for this simple reason that as Christians we have a life that we must subscribe to. That life is in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that God has given to us eternal life. And this life is in his son Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So there is life, a certain kind of life with its consequent wisdom that is available to us. But that life is in the Lord. Hallelujah. Now what we have to do is to gain access to that life. If we are able to obtain access, then we'll be able to participate in that life. Like Peter said, that we have been given exceeding great and precious promises so that by these we might be made partakers of the divine nature. So when we gain access into our inheritance, then in that access or in we've been able to touch our inheritance, we become participators in the divine nature. Hallelujah. Now, this access is not an access that is opened to all. It is not just that you desire to have access to that which is in the Lord, and then you have it. No. The things that belong to us in the Lord, which we must have access to in order to live our lives in a certain way. Those things are not opened to anybody. So there are procedures by which we will gain access. Hallelujah. There are pathways that we must walk upon 
in order for the access point, which is the doorway, to be opened unto us. Hallelujah. Please are you here? The Bible says that there remaineth a Sabbath rest unto the people of God. Now the Sabbath rest speaks of the land that is flowing with milk and honey. That is our inheritance. It is not a material land. It is a spiritual land. Hallelujah. And the Bible calls it the place of rest. The place of rest. A Sabbath rest. So there remaineth a Sabbath rest unto the people of God. So there is a Sabbath that we must enter. And he says that we should, not, we should be careful so that we do not follow the example of those who could not enter because of unbelief. So it means that that which is available to us in the Lord, all that is available to us, the Bible says that he has made available unto us that which pertains to what? Life and godliness. So that is available to us, but it is in the Lord. And in order to touch it, because if we touch it, then we, we are joined unto the Lord. If we touch it, then we become partakers in the divine nature. If we touch it. But it is not just that you wish to touch it and then you touch it. No. There are laws that govern access when it comes to what is available to us in the Lord. There are laws that govern access. You cannot just by wishing to have access to that which is available to us in the Lord, then you have it. It is not possible. You must follow laws. So there are laws of access. Hallelujah. Laws that if we follow, we'll be able to enter what is available to us in Christ. If we follow those laws. There are laws of access that we must follow. The reality is that all the deficiencies that we find in our being, all the deficiencies that we find in our life, they will remain with us except we are able to have access to what is available to us in the Lord. In other words, there is a cure for your anxieties. There is a cure for your fears. There is a cure for your weakness. There is a cure for your confusion. There is a cure for your troubles. There is a cure for your stagnation. There is a cure for your lack. There is a cure for whatever it is that you are suffering. That cure is in the Lord. There is blessing that is available. That blessing is in the Lord. And till we gain access, access, whatever is available to us, that cure. In other words, you could be bold 
as bold as a lion. You could have direction so that that which you do will flourish. You could be delivered from that which you suffer from. You could be delivered from your sickness. You could be delivered from your anxieties. You could be delivered from your confusion. But that deliverance does not come just by you crying to the Lord that he should deliver you. That deliverance does not come by you just desiring to be delivered. You need to touch something in God. You need to touch something in God. If you are able to touch God, if you are able to touch God, whatever it is that you suffer from, its solution will be deposited into you. In the Lord is everything that a man requires for life and godliness. It is in the Lord. And if that man is able to touch the Lord. Now, another way of touching the Lord is that if your eyes, listen to this, if your eyes are opened that you see, it is not a vision of the senses. It is not that you gain knowledge about what it is that the Lord is able to do for you. That is not enough. You can learn a lot of things about what the believer should be capable of, but that is not what will make you capable so far as what the believer must be is concerned. That is not what will make you capable. You can learn everything that is available. Every knowledge, you can read it, you can study it, you can listen to it. But that is not what will give you access. Because material knowledge or external knowledge, external sight, external understanding does not give access to God. It is spiritual sight that gives access. Hallelujah. What I'm sharing with you is very important. It will change your life. Hallelujah. And it is not it is not look it is because you have not seen something in the Lord. That is why you are struggling. If your eyes open and you see do you know what Jesus said? He said, I'll talk to you about this but let me share this with you. He said, ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost shall come upon you. Ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost shall come upon you. Now, it means that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, then you will have the ability that is required in whichever situation that you find yourself. Hallelujah. Now, he said that ye shall be my witnesses. Now, a witness is a demonstration. A demonstration that there has been an access to God. A witness, that to be the Lord's witness, is not just to tell people about God. It means that you, a witness, is a demonstration of God. A demonstration that the Lord has been here. A demonstration that the Lord has performed a work here. That is a witness. A demonstration of God. 
So a witness is that which demonstrates God. Please are you here? Are we here? That's a witness. A witness tells of an incident, isn't it? So to be the Lord's witness is to tell of the Lord. But this time around, it's not just by speech, because speech is not enough. It must go beyond speech to the demonstration of life. Your life must demonstrate. Please are you here? Said when you receive the Holy Ghost, you will receive power. Now the question is, what is the Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost is spiritual truth, not material truth. Material truth is what you are hearing. Listen to this. If you see this, the Holy Spirit, material truth is what you are hearing. Are you here? That's what you are hearing now. Now that is not what gives you power. Spiritual truth is what gives you power. Why is it material truth? It is coming through the senses. So it's external. I'm speaking to you and you are listening with your senses, then you take it into your mind. You understand that? So that's material. So this information I'm giving to you, it goes into your external mind, your external mind. There is truth for your internal mind. Now, its origin is from the spirit. So aside the fact that you can receive truth from the outside, are you here? Aside the fact that you can receive truth from the outside, you can receive truth also from the inside. You understand that? Now, that truth from the inside Inside has to do with the opening of your spiritual eyes so that you may see. Do you understand that? Now, that truth is truth is reality. I am. Truth is reality. So now, the Holy Spirit eh, is the truth that comes to us on the inside. When Jesus walked the earth, he was the truth. But in his relationship with the disciples, he dealt with them in the external. So he spoke to them. You understand that? They saw him. And some of us believe that that is powerful. So that if we also had been there, maybe our faith would have been stronger. But that is an encounter with Jesus in the senses. It's an encounter in the senses. And that does not give a man access. That's like Jesus said, I have yet many things to say unto thee. But you, you cannot bear them. But when the Holy Ghost comes, she, so he, he told them that there's going to be an access to truth, not this amount, not from the external, because he being with them, he was relating with them in the external. So no matter how powerful the truth or the information that Jesus shared with them, it was in the external. Are you here? You understand that? No matter, so Jesus would maybe said powerful things, all the things that we need that Jesus um shared with them, they heard it with their ears like I'm preaching to you. Now that does not give a man access. The truth that you hear with your internal ears, with, you see with your internal sight, that is the Holy Spirit. Please are you here? And that is what gives a man access. Please are you here? So Jesus said that ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost. This is an eternal principle. Jesus doesn't just stop. Are you here? He doesn't just stop. So he says, you will receive power. Now, what it is that you are dealing with, it is power that you need. Power is the ability to cause a change. A better definition. Power is an ability to bring forth the good that you see. In bringing forth that good, 
there must be the removal of what is not good. You get it? And hence the change. So a change from a bad situation into a good situation, a change from a bad um, um, experience into a, a good experience, a, a bad um, result into a good result. So power is the ability to bring forth this change. Are you here? Now, when this change comes, that change becomes a witness. Listen, because that change is a sign that God has been here. Please are you here? So then you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. So when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, that is when you can receive knowledge, but not externally, spiritually. When your eyes are able to behold, when you are able to touch the Lord. Please are you here? When you do that, that is the Spirit of God upon you. Please are you here? That is the Spirit of God upon you. So you know, power is not by reading a book. Power is to have access, is to be able to see what you will normally not see with your physical eyes. Power is to hear what you normally not hear with your physical ears. To, to get something from the spirit, to touch into the heavenly reality, which is the, the truth that is beyond the material. That truth is the Holy Spirit. Please are here. Said you will receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You will receive power to break away from depression when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. You receive power that will deliver you from that sorry state into a more powerful state after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Many of us, we, we seek a change. And at times we even cry. We are in all manner of things and we want God to help us. There are laws of access. And that's what I'm trying to let you see. There's the, a place where power resides. If you can see into the spirit, you have access to power. Because in the spirit, that, that what is in the spirit is what is available to us. Please are you here? What is in the spirit is what is available to us. He has made available to us all things that pertain unto what? Life and godliness. It is in the spirit. Another place when Christ, who is your life, shall appear. Christ is our life. It's in the spirit. He has blessed us with spiritual blessings in heavenly places. So you are blessed with spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Please are you here? Now, when those spiritual blessings, huh, they are those blessings, when they, they are summed up together. They are called the Holy Spirit. Peter called it the times of refreshing, coming down from the presence of God. The spiritual blessing, please listen to this. The spiritual blessing huh, that is available to all of us, that will make us into what we must be in the sight of God. All of it put together is called the Holy Spirit. Here, to have access into these blessings in the way that we, we need God to help us is to have the Spirit upon us. 
is here. It's to have the spirit upon us. And Jesus is saying that you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. My point is that we need to develop a habit of accessing God in the spirit. We need to train ourselves. That's, that's what this program is about. Because that is where our solution is. You are confused. You don't know what to do. There is a place in God where there is no confusion. You don't know the future, so you don't know which one will do well. And you have analyzed, you are not seeing. There is a place in God. If only you know how to zoom into the spirit. There is a place that when you touch, you will come back with an understanding of what to do. Now, that understanding is not external. It is internal. It is spiritual. And with that understanding is the power to deliver to you the future that you seek. Hallelujah. You will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Is it power? Isn't it power that we are looking for? Yeah. And this is how power comes. You receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And the Holy Ghost is spiritual truth. Truth in the spirit. That's what Jesus always, I'll come back to you. That's to come to them in the spirit. In, when he was with them, he was truth, the word of God in the flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten Son of God. Huh? That's the word in flesh. At resurrection, Jesus becomes the word in spirit. When he was flesh, they accessed him through the senses. Do you understand that? But when, now that he's in the spirit, we access him through the spirit. And it is every believer's responsibility to give himself or herself to training that he may know how to access the Lord who can be seen in the spirit. Because if you can touch the Lord in the spirit concerning whatever it is that you deal with, if you can touch the Lord in the spirit, ye shall receive power. You will have power. There will be the ability to cause a change. Some of us don't know what I'm talking about because all that we know about our life is a life in the senses. We have no idea that there is a spiritual realm we don't know that there is a way to hear without these physical ears. There is a way to understand without these physical eyes. That there is, there is an impartation, not from the senses, but from the spiritual realm. That there, there, is a, there is influx, a better way of putting it. There is influx from the Lord to us. But we must learn to have access. Hallelujah. You shall receive power. Are you here? So if only, to me, that is my understanding of whatever it is that I'm dealing with. If only I will have the time to seek the Lord in whatever it is that I'm looking for. Whatever it is that I am dealing with light from the Lord will shine through into my heart. And when I wake up from my knees, when I wake up from prayer with that light, I know 
that there's going to be victory because I have received what? Power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There are two access points when it comes to being able to partake of that which is available to us in the Lord. The first access point is the point of prayer. Hallelujah. Please are you here? The first access point is the form. Some of you, you don't know how to pray. You must learn it. Your life depends on it. I don't know how life will be if you can't see something. If you can't hear something. Well, like, do you understand what I mean by if you can't see something? Like, to see something beyond the sight. I don't know how you can survive if you don't know how to zoom into that spirit to pick something from the Lord that will give you power in the situation that you find yourself. I don't know what you will do. So, to learn how to pray and to pray properly so that you may have access. That's like my keep telling you, you prayer is not, um, it's not just you telling God something. We are trying to touch something. So how can you be telling God and you are wondering, your mind is wondering, you are talking to God and your mind, you, you, you are trying to touch something. Whatever you touch, listen, we have learned this. Whatever you are able to touch in God, it must permeate through your being, even to the lower part of your being, which is your senses. So there is going to be an imprint made upon you so that you recognize it. But that imprint will come from above, not from this world. So you, you have to learn how to pray and to pray properly, not just to utter things. Hallelujah. Please, are you here? So that is the first point of access. Prayer. Proper prayer. To immerse yourself into God so that you may see something. Hallelujah. In prayer, the doors of heaven will be opened to us. Amen. But you will find that there are things that you are trying to touch in prayer. That no matter how you push in prayer and you are trying to pray and you are trying to hear from God or see something in the spirit or receive an impression from God in the spirit and you are not getting anywhere. When you discover that prayer is not sending you to where you must get to in order to touch what you must touch in God, it means that something else is missing and that thing must always come before prayer. Please are you here? And that is repentance. Repentance. In Acts, when they asked Peter what they should do, he said, what shall we do? He said, repent. Where is that scripture? Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. Are you here? And, and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Now, that's a good question. Do you know when you ask, what shall we do? Please listen. Do you know when you ask, what, what shall we do? You ask, what, what shall we do when you want access, but you know you don't have it. 
Hallelujah. You know that where you stand, it is difficult for you to gain access into the spirit. Where you stand, the state of your life as it is, the state of your life as it is, it is difficult for you to gain access. Then the question, what shall we do, comes in handy. Because it means that you must go to the, fair, the, the next uh, point of access. And Peter showed them. So what shall we do? You are talking about these things. But we are not there. We are talk, you are talking about these things. This life. But we are not there. So what shall we do? We want to reach out to God. We want to touch God. What shall we do? These are here. Let's go. Then Peter said unto them, Repent. Amen. That is the first point of access. The prayer is what you should try to do all the time. That's why I mentioned it first. You, because if you zoom in prayer, you should be able to touch God. But your ability to touch God in prayer is founded on this first one, which is supposed to be your foundation of access, and that is repent. In other words, when you try to reach out to God and you are unable to touch him, you are unable to gain access as you know, because what it is that you are trying to touch, when you touch it, you know, because there is space within you uh, that it must occupy. Please, are you here? There's space within you. There's a certain state that you are in that what you touch must eradicate. It must remove from its place. So, so far as that anxiety still remains within you and has power over you, you have not touched God. You understand that? When you touch God, you know because that anxiety loses its power. Because to touch God comes with power to remove the anxiety and to put in its place peace. So, so far as that anxiety remains, you have not touched God. So far as it remains, you have not touched God. Please are here. So if you are trying to reach out to God and what it is that you are searching God about still remains as you push, then it means that there is something that you need to repent of. There is a change that you must initiate. There is something that you need to let go. There is an overcoming that you need to do. And the people ask, what shall we do? Said, repent and be baptized. What is baptism? The separation, the removal of the evil. Now, the evil is that which stands in the way, isn't it? Paul explained it. Second Corinthians chapter 3. Let's read from verse 16. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now, let's read verse 15 so that we get it here. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their hearts. Please are here. Now, Paul is saying that this veil is what prevents the person from seeing the glory of God. Now, that glory is what we want to touch. You understand that? Because it is in that touching of the glory that we become partakers with God in what he has to offer us. That is what changes everything for us. The game changer is to touch the glory. 
He's out here. It's to behold the glory. Another way of putting it is to have access to the Holy Spirit or is for the Holy Spirit to be upon you. The same thing. So there is a veil upon the heart of the people when Moses is there. So they hear, but in the letter, there's a spirit to it that they cannot have access to because there's a veil that is upon the heart. Let's go. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil, what, shall be taken away. So when a man turns to the Lord, that veil is what, taken away. Let's go. Now the Lord is that spirit. When you go up in that same scripture, so that veil is done away with in Christ. Now the veil upon the heart of a person is that which prevents the person from gaining access into the spiritual things, the spiritual verities, huh? the spiritual realities that must become your reality. Please are here because it's the veil. When the veil is there, prayer has no profit for you in that very thing. So if you push in prayer and you cannot touch God, it means there's a veil. This I am. Now, the veil is done away with true repentance. So now when the veil is removed, verse 18, but we all with what? Open faces. Another version says unveiled faces. Beholding us in a what? A glass. The glory of what? The Lord. Are what? Changed into that same image. It means then that whatever evil you suffer, there is this, its opposite good in the Lord. Are you here? If you suffer from fear, there is, there is what? Confidence or there is, um, what's the opposite of fear? No fear in God. Hallelujah. If you suffer, there, there is no fear in God. It means that if you are able to touch into God, the no fear in God is what is shot into you. And that takes the place. So we are changed into that same image. Hallelujah. Please are here. Now for you to understand why it is that same image. You see, Jesus is God who came in the flesh. Please are here. And took on the human. And in the process of his life and overcoming, glorified the human. So the human of Jesus has been glorified. Is that here? Now, it means that in the human of the Lord Jesus is all the divine verities deposited in the bank for us. So the Lord has deposited all things divine in the human of the Lord Jesus. So that in Jesus, as he walked the earth and has overcome, he has become the prototype man. Please are here. Now that prototype man is the glorified Jesus. Please are here. The human in which is the divine. And this is what we look at when we access God in the spirit. We get access to the human that has been made divine. And that is what we seek for ourselves. That our own human may have some essence of the divine. Because it is the divine that we want to enter into our human so that we will not be ordinary. So that that which plagues ordinary men will not plague us. It is the divine. Now this divine is found in the human, which is the Lord Jesus. The human that God took on, which is the Lord Jesus. 
Hallelujah. The divine human. And it is the divine human that is the prototype man. He's the standard. He's the measure. That is our measure. Please are you here? So when we behold what is in him, what is in him is not something that is beyond what we can have access to. Because it is the same human that you have that the Lord took on. And it is in that human that the divine fully dwells. So whatever you as a human will seek so that you can stand in this life and in the life that is after here, it is in the Lord for your sake. So when you can have access to the Lord, you are changed into what you see. But what you see is not in thin air. What you see in the Lord is something that is found in a man. It is something, why? Because the Lord became a man. And it is in the man that he is glorified. Please are you here. So what you see is what you can have access to as a man. It's, a, it's, it's, it's your measure. So it means that then in seeing, you can truly be changed. And I believe that we have been called to concentrate all our efforts to tap into what it is that is in the Lord. Paul, Paul said that by him, that's by the Lord, we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. He's, he was standing in a certain grace. Said by him, we have access by faith. We learn faith. Hallelujah. Into this grace wherein we said there's a grace that we have been called to stand in. And that grace is found in the Lord. When you cannot access that grace, the Bible says that let us approach the throne of grace with confidence that we might obtain mercy. Mercy. Loving kindness. Mercy. Mercy is not, uh, we go to, no. No. Mercy is the Lord's help. Hallelujah. It's, 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 it's kindness. Kindness is not a dormant expression. It's an active one. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in times of need. That same Bible says that the forerunner has gone ahead of us into the Holy of Holies. Now, listen. The forerunner is the Lord. But you have to understand it. It is the Lord as to the human. So the Lord as to the divine, he is the holy of holies. Jesus is God who took on the human. So the holy of holies is God. You understand? So as to the divine, as to the divine, the Lord is the holy of holies. As to the human, the Lord must be taken into the holy of holies. In other words, the human must approach the divine to the point where the human and the divine are made one. So the Lord, in his glorification, has his human joined unto the divine. And that is how come he resurrected even us to the human. So the human is no, and that's how come his body, you couldn't see his body at resurrection. It had been made spirit. Please are you here? So he being the forerunner who has gone into the Holy of Holies has to do with 
he, in other words, if the, you are the Holy of Holies, okay. So that's the divine, the Lord as to the divine. I am the Lord as to the human. The aim is that the divine will be fully expressed in the human. So that the weaknesses of the human will be overtaken by the divine. So that the human will be made divine. You understand that? Then it means that the divine, sorry, the human will be glorified. So the glorification of the human is that the divine now dwells in the human and the human weaknesses have been banished. You understand that? That, that is the process. So now Jesus going into the Holy of Holies, the Bible says he's the forerunner. So with that, the forerunner is for us entered. Even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So he's the forerunner. He has gone. Now he going has to do with his human being made divine. At the point where the human is made fully divine, it means that he is joined unto the divine in the Holy of Holies. Please understand that. Now, we also have been called to approach the throne of grace. Hallelujah. And in our approaching, has to do with the divine also finding a place in us. Please understand that. And the, this is how the divine finds a place in us. We obtain mercy and find grace to help in times of need. So there is mercy in the Lord. There is grace in the Lord. But we have to learn the laws of access so that we may approach properly. Hallelujah. And I said there are two points. The first point is the point of prayer. And we must learn the ways of prayer. Some of us, we don't, we don't know what it is that goes on when we pray. So it's like, oh, let's just utter a few things to God. By the time God is finished with us, when we say we should pray, because you know that that we pray like this. I know who you are doing. Because this doesn't go anywhere. What have you ever touched God with such prayers before? So why why do you even bother to? Why why are you doing that over and over? No no change. You are not accessing God. You, it's no wonder you have no confidence in prayer. Because you stand there like this. There's no desperation in your prayer. There's no desperation. Your face looks plain. Like nothing is going on. But when you find that in prayer you are unable to access God, then you know that the second point must come in, which is actually supposed to be the foundation. Repentance. There's something about which you must repent. There's something that relates to what you are seeking God about that you must repent. You must change from, you must let go. You must turn away from, you must develop a new way of life in relation to that thing. So if you then pray successfully, the Lord will open your eyes because it is the Lord that helps. Hallelujah. That's how come the Lord did not just say he is the door. In John chapter 10, he says he is the door. So it means that he's the one that grants access. That's also something that you must understand. I, I don't know if we have time to discuss that. But 
It is the Lord that grants access. That's like it is his laws that you must follow in order to have access. You understand that? But the Lord is not just the door. He's also the way. It means that he's also the one that will take you through the process by which you may have access. So if you seek the Lord in prayer, you are not having access. You must then tend to depend on the Lord to find the way, the pathway by which you may come to the place of access. You understand that? So the Lord will begin to open your eyes to certain things that you must shift in your own life, in your own heart. Let me show you something. Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. Philadelphia is what brotherly love. Huh? All right. Right. These things said he that is holy. He that is true. Hallelujah. If you have eyes to see, he that is holy and he that is true is the Lord as the Holy Spirit. If only you have eyes to see. If you don't have eyes to see, let's move on. Hallelujah. Remember, everything that is written is written to be considered in the Spirit. Hallelujah. So the Lord is holiness and the Lord is truth itself. That's like the Holy Spirit is the, the, the spirit of holiness. He said, he, he that had the key of David. What is the key of David? In scripture, David has to do with the Lord in relation to the truth. But not, not just any truth, but the truth that overcomes. Yes, that's like David was a man of war. He fought. So, David has to do with truth that prevails over the enemy in battle. Please are here. So he says that he has the key of David. Now, key. Hallelujah. I want you to catch something this evening. Are you here? So I want to be careful. If I keep some of this is actually as. I keep explaining, explaining, explaining. But I realize your mind dials down. I want you to be alert in the spirit. Hallelujah. So there's a day that we we'll learn what key is. It's the power to open, the power to grant access. Do you understand that? So the key of David is the power that belongs to truth, which grants access. But I don't want you to, don't, don't worry about that. Let's just wait. He that openeth, you see, and no man shatteth. Huh? And shut it and no man open it. You get it. So the Lord is speaking about himself. So the Lord has described himself as the Holy Spirit. He's also the one that uh, has the key of David, the one that opens and no one does what shut and shut and no one opens. Now, this is also a powerful thing. Okay, verse 8. I know thy works. Now, this I know thy works. Please are you here. This I know thy works. It, 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 it may seem like it's a simple statement. Like, oh, minimum juba. But the spiritual person would want to understand what it truly means. Hallelujah. Because 
in the spirit, works is not just what is done outwardly. Pay attention. In the spirit, works is not what is just done outwardly. In the spirit, works is what is done outwardly, in which is the intention and the thinking by which those works were done. So works is a house. And for it to be proper works, it must house or it must contain the desire or the motive and then the thinking that is behind the action. For instance, if I take an action, that action is not just an empty action. There is a motive behind the action. Are you here? And then there is a thinking that is behind the action. And therefore, the action goes forward. So to know the action is not just to know it as an external activity, but to also know it in the internal. So when the Lord says, I know thy works, he's not just saying, saying that you have done something right outwardly. He said you have done something right both outwardly and inwardly. You understand that? Or when he says that I'm searching your works, in that he's searching the works in both external, which is the output, and then the internal, which is the intention and the thinking that is behind those works. Does that make sense? So I know that works. It's not just that you have done something right, but you did what was right outwardly and inwardly. The inward part is the motive and the thinking behind it. You say, yeah, that's like you can do something that is right outwardly, but before the Lord, it will be an evil thing. You understand that? So if the Lord says he knows your work, the Lord is not a man. Man just looks at the outward appearance. You understand that? But the Lord does what? He judges the heart. So what you have done is outward, but the Lord does not look at just the outward. He looks at the inward as well. So I know that works means that the Lord knows the outward and the inward things of the life of a person. And in this case, those that are of the church in Philadelphia. Hallelujah. Is here. Now, the interesting thing is that these works that the Lord knows has, have permitted them to have access these works. So he says that, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door. In other words, these works that the Lord knows has granted them access. Hallelujah. Please are you here? These works that the Lord knows has gra have granted them access. I have set before thee an open door. And no man can do it. Shut. Huh. Now, what is Philadelphia? Brotherly love. Hallelujah. And brotherly love is a life that is lived uh, from the Lord, but it's not just an external life, but a life that is lived from faith and love. That's brotherly love. A, a life that is lived from faith and love. Not just faith, but faith and love. Faith which worked by love. That life is called brotherly love. And Jesus said that that is the state of these people that he's addressing. And it is that state or it is that kind of life that opens a person's up to access the open door. Is that here? So because of their life, which the Lord knows, he says he has set before them an open door and no man can shut it. They have access. 
this should help us to appreciate what it means to have access. It's not just that you go out there and you say, God, I want to see. There must be a foundation which is a certain kind of life. That life is born out of repentance. So you repent from loving yourself and loving the world. In the process of your life, that should be the repentance that you go through in, in whichever area of your life. So it's a lifelong experience. And with every repentance is the open door that you may have access. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? You look at it. It says that, for thou hast a little strength and hast kept my word. Hallelujah. I know that if you read this in the letter, to have a little strength, how is that a powerful thing? Well, that's, they are being commended. Do you see that? They are being commended. So you have a little strength. If we take out the, you have a little strength, the rest we can follow. And has kept my word. So to keep the lost word is a powerful thing. That's to obey God. Are you here? And has, that one, and has not denied my name. To deny the name of the Lord is what we stand against when we are repenting in temptation. For example, in temptation, listen, in temptation, what the Lord teaches you, which is his name, that which proceeds from the Lord by which he may be worshipped. That is name. Listen, name, name. The name of the Lord is that which comes out of the Lord towards us. Our idea of God, which when we follow, it becomes our worship of him. Does that make sense? That, that is what is a name. So it's his characteristics, his nature. It, when we get to know his nature, it teaches us how we may approach him. Our approach of the Lord is our worship. Please, does that make sense? So now to deny his name is what we will do if we don't overcome in the temptation. So we are tempted to deny his name. That's a better way of putting it. We are tempted to deny his name. So in temptation, we are tempted to reject that which the Lord has showed us, which teaches us how we may worship him. We are tempted to reject that. Does that make sense? So to not deny his name is to overcome in temptations. So now, it is explaining to us how the open door is set before them. We are holding on to a little strength. Said, thou hast kept my word. That is to obey his word. Thou hast not denied my name. It means that you have overcome in temptations. Are you here? Then the first one, thou hast a little strength. In the scriptures, to have a little is to not have strength. So to have a little strength is to not have strength. It is actually signifying how a man ought to see himself before God in order for all the other things that he will do to have profit. In other words, when a man approaches God, he must lose confidence in his own strength. Are you here? When a man approaches God, he must lose confidence in his own strength. Without you losing confidence in your strength, you cannot successfully keep the word of God and you cannot successfully overcome in temptation. Please are here. So thou hast a little strength, which is a commendation. 
has to do with they recognizing in themselves that they have no strength and they depending on the Lord for strength. Are we getting somewhere with this? That other than that, this cannot be a because what we must have is great strength. Hallelujah. But Paul said that his strength is made what? Perfect in weakness. So the one that comes to the Lord must acknowledge blindness so that the Lord will make him see, isn't it? He must acknowledge poverty so that the Lord will make him rich. He must acknowledge that he's naked so that the Lord will clothe him. Without such acknowledgement, our pursuit of the Lord is futile. There are people who say they are Christians, but feel very strong in themselves and what they can generate in themselves. Such people have no access to the things that God has on offer. Those that have access are the blind, the lame, the poor, the weak, the meek. These are those that have access. These are here. So he says, I have set before you an open door. I'm showing you this thing about repentance and how crucial it is when it is uh, when we talk of access. The first one is prayer. Please are you here? The first one is prayer. But that prayer is only successful when it is founded on the main one, which I'm using as the second one, which has to do with repentance. The way we live our lives before God. It is that way that will open a door which no man can shut. Hallelujah. Please, does that make sense? It is that way. That's how the door is opened. Hallelujah. Now, what we must also understand about access is that in as much as we are trying to touch something in God. I hear. And as much as we are trying to touch something in God, whatever we touch in God must correspond to a certain opening that is within us. Um, imagine yourself, yourself as a shelf. A shelf. You know a shelf with different levels. Now, the lowest part of the shelf is your body. After that, the next one is your lower mind. Now, consider the rest of the shelf as you becoming higher and higher in your thinking. So, your higher mind. You understand that? Now, the one that is not spiritual, the only aspect of their mind that is opened is the lower mind. So the first, the, lower, the lowest part is the body. So the first shelf is the, is the lower mind. For the unspiritual person, that's the only part that is opened and functioned. The rest are closed. You understand that? Now, when we talk of access, in as much as it has to do with there being an opening for us to touch something in God, it has everything, everything also to do with an opening in a certain aspect in us. Please are here. So if there is maybe the fourth door or the fourth, the fourth room, the fourth room in you, which is above your lower mind, 
that fourth room corresponds to what it is that you must touch in God. So that also is four. You understand that? Remember, Jesus is the prototype man, and we measure up to him. So if Jesus is like this, you also stand face to face. And Jesus is all that we can be from the lowest to the highest. You understand that? The lowest is the, the, the lower mind. In the higher mind, there's something in Jesus that corresponds to a certain opening, that, so a certain um, room that is closed in you, so that that room is closed. You understand that? In your repentance, that room is opened. Hallelujah. So it's not just that you must have access into the Lord. The Lord also must have access into you, which has to do with the opening of that higher part of you. Please, does that make sense to you? So in access, it is not just that we touch something. If it, we just touch something, then we just push and touch it. We must also be opened so that we can touch. Repentance opens us up. It opens that place for us to touch. Please, you understand that? So an opening must exist in that. So there are various realms in ourselves as men, as women, as human beings. There are various realms in us that are closed, 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 closed. In our walk with God, God seeks to open these realms. And the more he opens, the more we can have access into him. Remember, the access into the Lord, which has to do with we able, being able to see the glory of God, is not just that we may see. So there is the opening first, then there is the seeing or the vision part, which has to do with beholding his glory. And that does not end there, because the opening is so that when we see, we shall be like him, isn't it? So those are the three levels. So we our, we are opened, then we can see, then we can become. Please are you here? That's access. We are opened. So, so far as that realm in you is closed, even if it were opened before you, you will not have access to what God has to give. Even if God said, hey, this is the door, you don't have access to it because you are not alive to that very thing that is in God. You are not alive to it. You are not tuned in to that frequency. Hallelujah. But when that opening happens, so there are some of us that we can't experience spiritual things because we are closed on the inside. And if you are closed and prayer can't open you up, it means you have to check your life. You have to check your life. Tell you about change your style. Hallelujah. We, we are talking about access to God. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost comes upon you. It is this power that you see. With access comes this power. But be, for the access to be possible, we also must be open. The various levels in us must be so that now we can see. So the Bible says that blessed are the pure in heart. They shall do what? They shall see God. Let's see something in Isaiah. Isaiah 26. There's two and three. Isaiah 26. Open ye the gates that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. Wow. 
Now look at it carefully. So the gates must be opened. Are you here? But who can enter? The righteous nation, which does what? Keepeth the truth. That's the man that walks in obedience. That's the man that walks in repentance. That is the man that has access. Do you understand that? So if you can't have access, it means that your interiors are closed. That's how come you, you don't know what the spirit is. You don't know how it even feels like to make contact with the spirit of God. You don't know. But you can know. It's not for somebody. It's for you. You, you must appreciate this thing to the point where you, you, you can know the impressions. When God makes an impression upon you, you can grasp it. Other than that, how can you live? How can you live your life? How, how will life be for you? You'll you, you be one that is tossed to and fro. It's like, it's like a boat that is lost at sea. The waves are blowing. The wind is blowing. Tossed about. If you are closed on the inside, you cannot see the glory and therefore you cannot participate in what God has on earth. Hallelujah. So I've shown you, I've mentioned two uh, things. The first one has to do with what it means, how we may have access through prayer and we find that the foundation of that prayer is the second one, which is repentance. Hallelujah. Then we have described how this access works, that it is in three uh, points. The first one has to do with what? Being opened up. Hallelujah. The second one has to do with what? I ascended by revelation. See? And then the third one has to do with what? Becoming. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Please, are you here? These are the three things. Without it, may the Lord help us. Hallelujah. May the Lord help us. Then open ye the gates that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. Now look at the next verse. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. The perfect peace is shalom, shalom. Whose mind is stayed on thee because he does what? Trusted in thee. So this peace is another name for what we access in God. Are you here? You see that the Lord will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is there, not the external mind. No, the external mind is this, this staying your mind on God is not reading the Bible, reading the Bible, reading the Bible. You can read the Bible the whole day and your anxieties will remain. Or they will appear to leave you for a while. Because that's how things work. In our life, the moment we, we turn our focus on something, what was previously worrying us is not in mind again. Do you understand? So it seems to have stopped worrying us. So that's how we think we overcome or we deal with issues. We turn our focus. But you see that after a while, you'll be back, isn't it? Yeah. So this piece like, ah, let me just sing songs. Let me just keep singing songs. When you sing songs, in the time that you seem to be singing songs, you feel like you're at peace, isn't it? It's, it's a fake kind of peace. 
It's just the things that any normal person can have. Just don't think about them. Like some, some, somebody dies, the way to stop the story is to not think about it, is to be nice. So you won't think about when the person has died. And because you think, ah, you are able to take bad news well. No, you have just loved it somewhere in your head. You understand? That's not what, what we are talking about. So everybody can just stop thinking about something. But you'll be back to thinking about it. Hallelujah. So that's like about telling some of you. You feel like when I came to church, I felt happy. And I felt calm. When I went home, what was chasing me was waiting for me at home. Hallelujah. It is because when you came to church, you just did what even somebody who went to drink at the bar could do. Or who went to a nightclub could do. You could temporarily shift focus from your troubles and you will not feel the pain of your troubles anymore. But when you turn back to face the trouble, the pain will return. Hallelujah. And that's not what we are talking about. That's not what we are talking about. To stay your mind is not in the external, it's spiritual. Because the Lord, remember, the Lord can only be contacted in the spirit. Hallelujah. You can be contacted in the spirit. So the Lord will keep you in perfect peace. See, what you are dealing with, there is a peace version of it. That is in the Lord. Hallelujah. And the door is open to the righteous nation. Huh? The righteous nation. Those that keep the truth. And they are able to stay their mind in the Lord. So maybe you say, Let's focus on the Lord. You don't know what we are talking about. It's not, it's not like if you, if you don't know the, the, the realm of the spirit, you, you, let's, focus on, let's focus on the Lord. It won't mean anything to you. But it should mean something to you because you're a believer. And you must do everything possible to know the spirit realm. Because that's where your strength comes from. That's where your power comes from. That's where your life comes from. Other than that, what marks, what is your witness? What's your witness? What's your witness that you are a Christian, that you have met God? You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That's your witness. You shall then be a witness. How can you be a Christian without witness? You are like an ordinary man. Hallelujah. But if you can touch the Lord. Oh. That's how come. Of you, when you begin to fear, then you fear. Does it make sense? Like, hey. No, when you begin to fear, there's a solution. You can turn your face to the wall. You understand that? You can, you can set, you, I know that if I can find time to turn my face to the Lord and stay there. You understand? Stay searching. Light will shoot from heaven. Remember, the portal. The portal is the door. It will open. Light will come in. Shoo, and I'll wake up from there. And what was so strong on me that I was afraid? That fear is not there. I have not forgotten what made me afraid. But it has no impact. There's a power 
that has overpowered that thing that sought to make you afraid. Hallelujah. Because you, I tell you, you feel very hopeless. Because certain things have not worked out for you like they should. No matter what you do, your hopelessness will persist. The only time the hopelessness will go away if it's, is if something takes your attention for a while. But you know you will return to your room. You know you you go and you be alone on your bed. You know after a while you will be back to this thing. So it's just temporary. But you can touch God. That hopelessness will not be there. That's when you stand in the midst. That, that's when you know you have received power. And that's when you know that the future is bright. Because you stand in the midst of what was making you hopeless. But you are not hopeless. It means that you have received something that is superior. That's a kind of what you are standing in should, should put you down. It means you have received a superior light. And that superior light overpowers what it is that is making you hopeless. Hallelujah. In that superior light, will come, from that superior light will come direction. You see, but nobody can receive direction from God if they have lost hope. Hallelujah. So at times, when God wants to give you direction and he meets you in your hopelessness, what he will do is to give you hope first. With that hope, you can now push into God for direction. And that hope will come to you in the midst of the storms. Hallelujah. And what God has to show you, eyes have not seen, and eyes won't see. That's what God said. The eyes have not seen, nor ears heard, physical eyes, physical ears. Neither has it entered into the thoughts through the external. What God has what prepared for those who do what? But God has revealed it to us by what? that revelation you have stepped into the promise. And with that stepping into comes the power. If you hear from God and your situation does not change, you didn't hear from God. It's true. If you think you saw something from God and it did not result in a change, you didn't see. I know that the time that I've seen from God, it changes to me. It's not, it's not negotiable. You know, when you come back from seeing, you come with what is called faith. Hey, I said we we'll talk about faith. See, do you know what Jesus said about this faith? He said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, be that removed. Please, do you understand that? That's what. Look, if you meet God, if you touch God, that's how come all your efforts should be concentrated on being able to touch God. And God is not touched in the flesh. He's touched in the spirit. And you don't just, you have to find how, you have to pursue, you have to push, you have to learn the ways of prayer. And if you find that something blocks you in prayer, then you have to let God show you, show you what you need. 
since you can't touch God, you'll be a superman. May the Lord help us. If you can touch God, you'll be a superman. There's a place in God that we have been called to touch. We have been called to experience. It's called the Sabbath rest. It's called the promised life. It's called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. When you receive that, when the Spirit comes upon you, you receive power. You see, that's how it works. Hallelujah. That's how it works. And the Spirit comes upon you. I know people teach you different, but the Spirit of God comes upon us by measure. It's measure upon measure. That's how like Paul talks about being filled with the Spirit. He, it's not, it's not like, ah, maybe say the Holy Ghost is a different person. They argue that, then you understand. But if it, the Holy Ghost is the Lord, and the, 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 the Holy Ghost is the Spirit of truth, then you, you have access to the Holy Ghost based on the um, aspect of truth that you are able to touch. Do you understand that? That's a come in the Lord, one may have power in something and another may have power in another thing. You know what Paul said? Say that whether prophecy, let them prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Now, this faith is what you enter into when you see the Lord. Now, that prophecy is the work that you are producing. You understand that? And you are going to be able to do it according to the proportion of your faith, what you have been able to touch in the spirit. Hallelujah. Or according to the measure of the grace that you stand in. Are you sure you are here? Tell anybody you must become a spirit man. If it's a woman, say spirit woman. Because that's where your, your power lies. Tell your neighbor, that's where your power lies. You don't have power anywhere. You don't, intellectual power is no power. What is it? It's no power, in whatever power. Are you not tired of being weak? Huh? How? The Lord will help us. 